What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Dukan Show, yet another episode of our favorite legal show on the podcast Waves, uh, Legal-ish, with our favorite, Ahmed Oda. Ahmed, how are you doing this week? Hey, guys. Good to be back. Welcome, doing welcome. Great. And we have OTOT, OTOT yeah. in the house. What's happening? <laughs> so what is happening, OT? The world is... Uh, Going There's... sane, if you ask me, we're going sane now. <laughs> we are. We... So tell so, me, what's as... up? What, what do you What do you see out there? So as great as 2020 has been to us, um, there's a lot of changes, obviously, that have been happening. And most recently, as all of us have been witnessing and following closely what's been happening with the Black Lives Matter movement across the United States, but also there is a trickle effect and impact here in the Middle East as it did open up the conversation where we all started to get involved in it and. Obviously, it's a point that is near and dear to our hearts because the can is a black-owned and led business. It's Arab-owned and led. It's female-owned and led. And it's also um, uh, brown-owned and led. And the thing is that what I wanted to start with and asking, I think because of what's been happening, what we've been seeing that what are, are what are the laws that are present in the UAE to combat racism? Because I know there's, I've, I've seen them previously before and I know they do exist, but I figured it's best to have this come from you, Ahmed. And uh, kind of take the lead on that. And also understanding how effective are they as well. Oh, wow. Omar, that's, uh, uh, thank you for, for passing it out. I started heavy. About <laughs> this. Yeah, yeah, we did start heavy. Yeah, I don't know about this a lot in the past few days and, you know, watching a lot of the, um, uh, you know, uh, what, what the news has been saying about, uh, about what's happening in the U.S. And also, you know, what they... What the more sort of progressive thinkers have been have been saying about it, like Hassan Minaj, like Trevor Noah, and a bit about Joe Rogan as well in his podcast, and really what they're putting forward is some some very interesting insight into into how people should be looking at this uh, sort of um, movement, I could say, because it's no longer a Black Lives Matter. It's, it's actually a sort of a, a resurrection of the of the uh, movement that that shouldn't have taken place in, you know uh, but it, people i thought people would have already known about this but now we need, we need to we need to kind of go through a refresher on the fact that all lives matter and and including black lives and that you have to be what is it it's not um it's that you have to be anti-racist right it's uh right it's just not no, it's no longer enough to be you know just to to to, to pretend it doesn't exist and you know just to you know, <laughs> ignore the fact that this that you're racist and move on with life. No, you have to, you know, take steps in order to uh, to combat it. And that's what we're, you know, part of what the discussion of what we want to uh, talk about today. But as far as the UAE is concerned, yes, we do have an anti anti discrimination discrimination law. It was issued in 2015, and in the discrimination, basically, it's it, it focuses on you know a um, anti-discrimination on, on individuals and communities based on religion, belief, sect, color, or ethnicity. All of that is part of the anti-discrimination law. And the, the law itself imposes heavy fines on people that, uh, that actually go out of the way to publicize material or, 
or you know go out uh, and and say you know and to to hurt other um, people of other ethnicities or colors and the the fines range between 500,000 and like in the millions and to be precise i think up to 2 million dirhams uh for someone who actually starts you know actually goes out of his way to publish any products or recordings uh, in the UAE for um you know discrimination and uh of course if it, if repeated these these fines can um can lead to jail time now having said that there's there's also been you know supplementary laws to it like cybercrime we all know that cybercrime right now anything that you say you put out on twitter yeah. or linkedin facebook that also can be used against you even if you say it on email on whatsapp if you just you know say to say, you know call anybody anything on whatsapp uh, including including the n word then you might get into big trouble for that uh, so it's it's really helping uh, and in my experience you know having lived here my whole life i haven't really seen much discrimination take place um against mm-hmm. uh, against anyone but you might have a different uh, uh you know opinion of this yeah uh, omar and <laughs> yeah. i'd like to actually hear your side of the story because maybe i know i'm not you know ethnically white i'm arab but I'm kind of white in the sort of, you know, that <laughs> the, I, I completely agree. Like, uh, so not, yeah. and, and, and thus you're treated differently, right? Um, mm. I think that the reason why we wanted to start off with this question as well is because understandably the laws are there and I believe, and now it's good to know how hefty the fines are. But I think that for people on the receiving end, they either don't know or when they do know the laws there, they don't know if they can make a claim or act upon it necessarily because it gets masked as a joke for example right or it gets um positioned as no i didn't mean it like that you get it you know kind of thing mm. and there's like how do you argue a condescending tone i think becomes part of that question right like um uh, as an example off the top of my head when when people are talking to each other um especially for luan yazanam is is the term of endearment that's used right whereas for us as sudanese yazan and then, mm-hmm. but then there's when it comes from a non-Sudanese, there's that, and there's this like condescending comical tone. How do I claim that as, how would I go and, you know, um, file a complaint if I wanted to on something like that? So, you know, these are, I think, the difficulties where people don't know of how do I go and talk about this or who do I go and tell them that this is the case and how do I argue for a condescending tone or argue for comical or racial uh, discriminatory approach and what they were trying to say, right? Because then it becomes my word against theirs. And I think this is the part where I'm also uh, inquisitive about, like, how would I, how would I file a complaint against that, for example? And have you felt it in any way in the workforce when you're sort of oh, yeah. surrounded by, yeah? Yeah. Um, I've, this is this is since childhood, like in school, since I was a kid, through college, through work. It's been um, it's been, I've been on the receiving end of it for quite a while. Um, Can you give an, an example? example? I think a that clear will example. help people kind of yeah, understand so for, something, some things that they may not have visibility yeah. on. So the example I gave, which is this condescending comical tone of going like Yazol and trying to throw jokes at it, or people coming to me at work and using the n-word thinking that it's cool and because they're arab that means they sort of have a, a pass card that they can say that i'm like i'm sudanese and i don't say that and i argue with sudanese people who use it because for all the obvious reasons 
as a Sudanese, you cannot use it. Not because you're black means it's okay, right? It doesn't actually, because then there's a history of Arab and Middle Eastern slavery that Sudan was part of, in that sense, as part of the trade. So you can't really use that term, in my opinion. Um, other examples at the workplace, when people... Um, the Another example is that, for uh, and I've, I've used this example before uh, at work, where they would come to me and be like, hey, listen, because you're the black guy, you should know this. And then they'd ask me a question, right? And then it becomes like, do you check them? How do you check them? And then if it's somebody of seniority, and this is what I used to have when I used to work for a company. And like, you know, how do I combat that upward battle with a senior in a firm, right? Um, so these are different experiences that I've gone through. I mean, in school there, in school it was a lot. In school, like fights with kids because... Every I've heard it all from Yazol, Yal Aswad, um, you know, kids telling me that they So I the words are one thing. Yeah. I think the words are the issue that you seem to be repeating, which is the terminology of endearment that people use to refer to you or to people that are there are friends, yes. you know, are, are are friends around you. But Ahmed, do you have legal grounds in that circumstance, as in the words that people use? Or are you looking when we say the the UAE has anti racism laws, what do those laws protect? Do they, what exactly do those laws protect? Can you what what case can yeah. be brought forward? Mm-hmm. You definitely, you you can definitely take something similar to what you said, Omar, and you know use it against, uh, use the law against them in the sense that you know that, that you if you feel like you're being discriminated against in the workforce or uh, in public, right? Amongst mm-hmm. friends, of course, it's a that's a bit of a sensitive topic, but um, you could definitely say, guys, please, you know, I, I don't. Uh, I do condone this behavior, and, and if you if you repeat it again, I'm, I will have to resort to, you know, filing a police complaint, a complaint with the authorities, right? Yeah. If the HR policies do not allow, mm-hmm. uh, you know, do not have any anything to cover this, because that is not right. What you what you said is, you know, definitely shed some light on the fact that the, you know, it happens in this country as well, and. If you, if you notice what I said earlier yeah. is that, oh, I didn't face anything. That's me. That's basically my white privilege is that I never had to go through this mm-hmm. in the first mm-hmm. place. It's not that I didn't ha- I didn't have to enforce any privilege in the first place. It's just bestowed upon me by virtue of me being of a particular color. Yeah. Whereby, whereas you had to experience this in maybe in sometimes in minute formats, but I'm sure it wasn't pleasant. Yeah, correct. Of course you can... Um, yeah. You can take action against them. I haven't seen anyone take action, direct action, as mm-hmm. a result of any mm-hmm. uh, anything. But but yeah. it's it's good to know that the laws are there. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's. I think it's great to know that the laws there. It's very reassuring, and knowing also that it's there and you and you can take action. I think is is really important for a lot of people because sometimes people do feel disempowered or there's a fear to take action. Like you know, there's a hesitation about how to go about it and I think I'm, I'm happy that we're talking about this so people know that they do have that option and that is available to them and that is a right that you could practice where if you feel like you've been discriminated against in any way that you can go and file a complaint absolutely and so OT do you feel like you will you would file a complaint in the future or is this yeah. something that you do you feel like this is something that you would avail of in the future now knowing a little more about it 
Definitely. I think knowing that it's available to me is very important. And to what Ahmed said, it's also in the graceful practice of it, right? Mm -hmm. Not because somebody is discriminatory and I got to get agitated and fight fire with fire, but rather, listen, I don't think this is cool. Let's not do this because not only is there laws there, I don't don't like being spoken to this way. And then if they continue and persist on using that, then, okay, now we take a legal action. But at first, you have to be graceful in that approach, I believe. And, you know, kind of having a very honest and loving conversation rather than being combative, because that's not going to get us anywhere. Agreed. Mm-hmm. So, Ahmed, one of the things that I was thinking about when you mentioned if there are HR practices or, you know, if there if, if those are actually in place, um, how do people organize in a legal way here? So when I say organize, I mean, um, there are many people now in our circles of friends that are feeling very galvanized by what's happening in the world and would like to affect positive uh, change, you know, in our communities, even at a micro level, maybe amongst their friends. Uh, but organizing or setting up, you know, groups, there's a bit of a hesitation around the UAE, you know, in the UAE, because we don't actually know how can you legally organize for causes that you believe in here? Especially when it comes to um, anti-discrimination, right? Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. talking about yes, this in particular. particular. Uh, I think the first thing that you could do is, you know, have a, have a workshop take place in your own uh, business right in the community of your own business start mm. across, start with mm-hmm. that uh, instead of uh, going out and doing something in public because the people the people sitting around you or next to you are the ones that probably are more likely to be oblivious to something like that taking place uh, yes and then and then move move it you know on with your with your friends and you know have many small workshops and seminars webinars with your friends and and with your family as well if uh, if it permits and if you like to host something, you know, in a, at a at some form of public forum uh, where, you know, people usually, uh, where do people host workshops these days? In like a Circal Avenue and these Mostly, places? Mostly, right? honestly, yes. Or it's at Zoom. So to be honest with you, a lot of stuff is happening on Zoom right mm-hmm. now. So um, mm-hmm. I think that people would either organize online webinars or in person. I think we're still creaking open. The economy starting to move. So I yeah. haven't seen too many in-person things at the moment, to be honest. That's totally acceptable for people to do that. Um, I, f- I find that though the people that like to host such uh, workshops or seminars are coaches, business coaches, relationship coaches, um, mm-hmm. those that uh, have an inherent uh, interest in promoting the services as, as being co- you know changes in cultural uh, behaviors mm-hmm. and norms and businesses. So they they like to host such uh, uh, conferences or or workshops, you know, free of charge for people. Yeah. But then eventually, you know, they, they'll have to market their services as part of the uh, the workshop. And that's completely acceptable, mm-hmm. I find. Okay, wonderful. Okay. So there are many ways that within, yeah, it's, it's wonderful to hear that there are ways that people who feel very motivated can actually, gal- you know, uh, organize themselves and uh, get the word out and have those difficult conversations. Because both of you are saying very, you know, clear things, which is have those conversations, do it gracefully. And let's find a way to do that in our homes and in our communities, which is wonderful. Um, getting into our first question, actually, uh, we I, we have uh, four questions today from our anonymous Ooh. listeners. Uh, Ahmed, you ready? You ready to go for <laughs> the legal ish? 
All right. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. So the first one is um, I, he or she says, I have a loan in the bank and now I'm jobless. My company told me to go for unpaid leave, I assume, because he didn't write leave. He just wrote unpaid or resign. But in this situation, I don't know what to do or how to do it. How am I going to pay my loan? And if I, if I will stay on unpaid leave, the rent for my house is up soon. However, if I resign, I will get some money, but I don't know how long that's going to last. And if I I don't have any job, I'm not sure how I'm going to solve these problems legally. So it's just, it seems to be a quagmire of different stuff, but how would you approach this situation, Ahmed? Okay. Yeah. Like what you said. So there's, there's um, two parts to this uh, question. A, he's, he's on unpaid leave and they're asking him to resign and uh, he's, he does, he has a loan, so he doesn't know what to do with it. And secondly, if, uh, if he resigns or, um, you know, goes on paid leave, he doesn't know how to pay this loan. And then yes. after that, he doesn't mm-hmm. know what to do if he doesn't get a job. Uh, the first thing to tackle, and the most important thing is that, you know, the, the loan. Uh, what, how is he going to pay this loan off if he, if he doesn't get a an income? And mm-hmm. look, th- these are questions that I get all the time. I've been getting, you know, for many, many years. And people people always sort of get in touch and say, this is this is my problem. I have a I have a personal loan and my salary is this much and I can't pay it off. What do I do? You're an adult. You took the rational decision to go to a bank and, and get, a, get a loan from the bank, knowing full well the terms and conditions that are associated with it. The bank, you know, you, 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 you know that you have to pay back to the bank a certain amount of money every month. Uh, mm-hmm. Come what may, that money has to be taken uh, from your account and, um, and you have to pay off the loan eventually. No country in the world will just allow you not to pay, you know, it's just to escape without the without paying off the loan. So that has to happen. You have to find another stream of income, uh, be it from the same company or from from a different, uh, um, you know, different income source that you that you'll have. But you have to find a way to do it. And if you want some time to pay off that loan, sure, you could get in touch with the bank, tell them, look, I have gone on unpaid leave. The bank's all the banks anyway understand that you know salaries have been mm-hmm. reduced and people have gone on paid leave. They'll they'll put a hold somewhat on your on your account and they'll give you some leeway. At at the very minimum, they'll shed, you know, they'll just sort of focus their attention on some some other accounts and get back to your account in a few months, in three to six months. Okay. But you have to be open with your bank in the sense that look, guys, I don't have any money to pay you right now. I'm working things out with my employer. I'm not sure, but I may have to I may have to resign or go on unpaid leave for the next uh, uh, few months. If I find a new job, I'll let you know, and then we mm-hmm. can start the monthly payments again. And if you can stop, uh, if you can withhold from the interest being charged on a monthly basis, then that's great. If you can't do what you have to do, but just to let you know, I cannot pay back any bit of interest or principal right now. Mm-hmm. And luckily, the um, the, the governments have been very lenient with um, defaulters at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's um, banks have not been sort of pursuing after defaulters um, heavily. So they're they're giving a lot of leeway for all accounts, both individual and businesses, for them to sort of get back on their feet and restart their uh, their operations. But um, you know, it won't be like this forever. Of course. But for now, he has some time. So okay. let him let him definitely find so a act, different income act source. Now. Yes, yeah, act yeah. now, find a different income source and start a really open conversation with your bank representative. Definitely. Yeah. That's key. Great. Okay. Good to know. Um, all right. 
on to our second question. So this person says that, oh, one of my old, uh, actually, I actually don't know what it says, but like one of my old people, i.e. they work in advertising. So I work in an ad agency and our office has, <laughs> our office has let us know that we have to be back at 100% by next week. I feel extremely uncomfortable about this and I would like to know if I have any legal rights to stay home and work to protect my health. Oh. Hmm. They feel uncomfortable about going back to the office. And I'm sure many people are already yeah. uncomfortable yeah. going back. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, every person is different. I think companies have to, re have to adjust their policies very quickly <laughs> to, to cater for people yes. that, that, that are feeling uh, uncomfortable about this. But at the same time, there has to be some level of, uh, you know, of, of understanding. Why are they feeling uncomfortable? Is there a reason? Um, has the company not performed the right uh, sanitary procedures or is it the kind of company that you have people sitting, you know, shoulder to shoulder right next to each other in an open space mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, they don't respect any social distancing policies. And so th these are the questions that, you know, we, we have to ask him or her to understand why they're uncomfortable. And, mm -hmm. and if the, co the company can do something about it, because even with 100%, I know even in, in my firm, we try to separate people as much as possible. We try to put them in different, you know, in, in different areas. So if uh, we know mm -hmm. that not many clients are visiting the office, so we put maybe two or three lawyers in the conference room and, you know, separate them. So, so that okay. he has to understand what, what is the, uh, mm -hmm. what is the situation that's making him uncomfortable? Okay. So that means that for them to be able to have any uh, legal stands on this it means that they have to be very clear on what is it that is causing that discomfort correct and if exactly. that vi and if that violates any of the um social distancing covid office protection laws that have been put in place correct okay. the the, mm -hmm. the the laws that we all know mm -hmm. uh, that have been issued by by the government i mean if he's staying in you know if he has his own office and <laughs> and he's not really interacting with anyone then there's not really much of a yeah an excuse is there yeah, like if you're yeah, a director of the corner office, I mean, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally understand. Yeah. I totally understand. But also, I think it's one of those things where people are just trying to find their new normal, and yeah. I we're 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 all figuring it out together, right? Yeah, yeah. sir. Yeah. Right. All right, cool. So uh, a, a similar question. No, it's not a similar question at all. It's a very different question. <laughs> um, uh, this is the third one, which is uh, he, our, our anonymous listener says, my gym has reopened, but I no longer want to continue my membership because I'm nervous about the COVID circumstances. What can I do? And do I have legal grounds to cancel my membership? <laughs> Where were they before? <laughs> Why did they decide to cancel it right now? I don't know. No. I don't know. I mean, the gyms, all the gyms have, re I mean, I think most of the gyms have reopened. I know. Most of um, the gyms have reopened. Yeah, and I, I think that, uh, but there's no more showers. There's no more. There's so many really, by the way, uh, in the UAE, the stringent laws around um, what you can do at the gym. It's, mm -hmm. it is, it is airing on the side of protection, genuinely. Yeah. But yeah, like, does this person have grounds as a result of COVID to say like, I'm not coming back regardless? Now, the... Uh, the, like what you said, with the gyms, with the gyms reopening, but along alongside the, uh, uh, the the regulations of the governments and the DHA, uh, the by health authority, 
it's fine now for people to go back into the gym if they want to. You can wear a double mask if you like and, you know, the gloves and do all that stuff and you'll be protected. Everyone else is wearing them and all the gyms have gone through very strict uh, sanitization controls in order to reopen. It's not just something like, you know, they just opened up and, you know, guys, come on in. It's, uh, it's not, it wasn't that easy for them to, to go through the procedures. There, there, has, there, there really isn't much of an excuse now for, for mm. you to discontinue your membership just because of COVID. If you wanted to do that, um, and for good reason, that should have happened in March, April, where the gyms were genuinely closed, and you, you know, you felt like, you know, that you couldn't do anything. That was a good time for you to, you know, message and be like, guys, this is, you know, due to the force majeure. I'm, you know, we don't know when this is going to, uh, you know, stop. So I'd like my membership to be cancelled and please refund my money. And then, mm-hmm. depending on the terms and conditions that have been signed between the the member and the gym, they may or may not you know, have a, some kind of settlement with him. But right now, again, it goes, it goes back to how the gym is going to, you know, look at how, what, what their policies are when it, with regards to such membership policy, uh, memberships. But uh, I don't think the gyms will really accept it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. <clears throat> Fair enough. Because yeah. I, I think that like also the gyms have very stringent laws because they do know that the DHA and the municipalities are going to be coming knocking at their doors randomly at any minute. Um, yeah, yeah. Really? Okay. And, yeah. And I think also just an extra uh, level of extra care because like I do have friends who run gyms and I've been seeing some of the conversations that have been happening on their social media where they're sharing like, okay, there's a set number of people that can come in. Everything is getting sanitized every other hour upon the hour. Mm-hmm. The staff is working there. Members are meant to keep a two to three meter distance away from each other. Um, anytime you use a weight or anything before you put it back, you have to disinfect it. Like, so it will extend your workout time for sure from one hour to two probably. But they're there for a reason. They're there for people's safety. Um, you got to bring in your own towel. You cannot take a shower there. You got to be in and out. Like all these things that have been put in place. Um, so it's interesting. I think it's a new normal that we're about to experience with health centers in general. Exactly. This, so this new normal is something that many people are not used to uh, or, or they don't want to accept. Mm-hmm. And that's a bit of a gray area. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. We're figuring it out as the weeks yeah. go by. We'll fig- yeah. We're figuring it out. <laughs> We're going to figure it out. I have faith I, in humanity, as always. We always do. As always. Yeah. Um, right. One last question. Okay. Is, so, oh, it's OTs. This, so this is uh, this is a very interesting. So we got an, an interesting anonymous question, which has, um, I want, <laughs> uh, I would like to get a divorce from my husband, but we are non-Muslims and we got married back in the UK. What should I do? She wants to get a divorce and she's uh, married in the UK, yeah. right? Okay. Um, and we don't know anything else aside from this. Statement, no, right, so said, not right? so. Neither of them are Muslim. They got married back in the UK, and she'd like to get a divorce. Okay, well, as with any you know any relationship, you have to sort of dig into the past and understand the facts, and you know where where the where the couples stand today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have to go through an entire checklist and understand. Okay, how is this divorce going to take place? So some of the questions are going to be like, you know, do they have any kids? Are these kids minors? By minors, I mean, are they less than 13 years old? Is the husband or wife, are they both working? Or is it just the husband that's working? Mm-hmm. So meaning that the wife is a dependent. Um, does she want to stay in the UAE? Does he want to stay in the UAE? And what assets do they have 
um, in their uh, in their uh, individual capacities in the UAE and in the joint capacities. So uh, let's say if they have a, a mortgage on a house that's jointly owned by them, right? Uh, we have to look into that as well. And mm-hmm. and also, you know, looking at all these um, uh, questions, do they want to settle things out of court or not? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, when when we um, when we assess all the assets that they have, including their kids, and you know who wants to go back and who wants to stay, uh, we could we could give a determination of whether we whether she would like to it would be better for her to use the Sharia law or the UK laws, and when filing for divorce in the UAE, mm-hmm. right? So it's not always that uh, you know her that the laws of her home country country would 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 be um, in her favor. Advantage. Yeah. Question. Yeah. So, as okay. as a non question for you, I think just um, which is a good point that you've just raised. As a non-Muslim, she can request to practice it, practice the divorce or Sharia law. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. She can do a Sharia law or she can do a UK law. Okay. I did not that's know that. Know. Okay. Me neither. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's good to yeah. know. You know, cool. and then she just has to bring the provisions of the um, of the of the common law in the UK that you know that specify exactly what she's entitled to. As um, as part of the divorce. So, and, oh, I think what we're what we're learning is that mm. this is a divorce as a practice is a holistic view of the situation, and you will assess as her, you know, legal team how best to divide or how best to separate the situation. Because once you get married, everything sort of joins together, and it becomes very confusing. It, it, it's not a split down. There's no such thing as a clean split down the middle. If the, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. It's very difficult to to get that split mm. unless you 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 enter into a settlement agreement out of court where you guys you know amicably work things out. And wow. does that happen often? Do people often amicably work things out when they're on the mm. brink of a divorce? One out of five times, I see. That, those are good odds. Happens. Yeah, those are <laughs> those good are odds. I good suppose odds. <laughs> take take what you can get. <laughs> yeah. yeah, those are pretty good odds. I yeah. think so. So if you're one of the lucky ones, and we hope this lady is, um, obviously, let's hope that you know. I I learned something new today. I did not yeah. know that you could. Yeah. You know, um, wonderful, wonderful. That's it's definitely well. a very interesting subject here in this country. Because mm. yeah, you know, when the, when the judges allow you to use to use any uh, the divorce laws all around the world. It's amazing, uh, you know. Use that. We have a video for that on on our website, so I will definitely yes. Um, Please, if you can it. share the link, so we can add it uh, as well mm-hmm. to the show notes. Amazing. I mean, so I hope uh, this answers your question. Um, and I think if she has any more clarity, maybe she could share it for the next time, and we can take a look at that. Go down the journey of her divorce. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just be a part of her divorce from the right? outside. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I think that's what we have for this week. Um, thank you so much, Ahmed. Really appreciate it. And, thank you, um, guys. Thank you to all our listeners and those uh, viewing this. Uh, thank you for being part of Legal-ish this week. And we'll be back next week with more questions with Ahmed Oda and, uh, you know, some of our questions and your questions. So if you guys have anything, definitely slide into our DMs or you can drop us an email to hello at thecanmedia.com. And as always, we do keep it anonymous. And remember, you're not stuck at home, you're safe at home. And as we've been seeing these recently in the UAE, we are all responsible. So please take extra precaution during these challenging times. Take care, guys. Peace. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Salam. Salam.